Welcome back, everybody, to Fall In, and we are happy to be here today with our first guest, Big Al or Alfonso Nixon. Of course, I am Brian Britt as uh, we kind of form in around the fire and kind of tell our campfire stories out here today. And we got a couple questions for uh, Mr. Big Al. Definitely appreciate you coming on board. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself to start out. You know, how did you get the name of Big Al? I know in the sim racing community, that's one of the things everybody kind of knows you by and not Alfonso Nixon. Well, the funny thing about that is I'm not actually Big Al. I'm officially known by, you know, my family back in Carolina as Little Al. My father is Big Al, but since uh, I started online, I just kind of took over his persona, if you will. I just kind of I took Dad's handle, and I, and now I affectionately go by Big Al. It wouldn't yeah. look right calling me Little Al because I'm a big dude, so it just goes go <laughs> Big Al. So and I think you've told me in previous talks, like, is, is he's pretty, uh, is he, he's a smaller guy, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He, my dad won't like to hear that at all. He's, he's, he's a smaller <laughs> guy. Well, my father is uh, somewhere between five, six and five, six and a half. And I stand uh, somewhere around six, six, four, six, three. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a big guy, definitely worthy of the Big Al moniker for sure. Um, so hopefully your dad doesn't listen to this <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. But man, definitely appreciate you coming on board and talking with us, and you know, kind of having the idea for this whole thing and wanting to bring me along. I know there's a lot of uh, people out there that haven't really had their voices heard in a lot of ways. And uh, but we'll start out here. When did you join the army, and uh, what were some of your responsibilities that kind of uh, you know you had to do out there? Oh man! So I I joined the army ten days out of high school. Uh, I I do believe it was in my senior year, uh, around my birthday. I turned eighteen, and uh, I contacted my recruiter, uh, and I was like, "Hey, look, let's roll." Because I was actually I was doing horrible in chem chemistry, to tell the truth. And so, shortly after I graduated, man, I was I was off the boot camp. And, you know, you really don't have any responsibilities when you come in Army. I mean, I was just a – I was a PV1 when I joined, you know, and so just pretty much just a good – try to be a good soldier, just do what you're told, you know. Yeah, 100%. Now, what were some of the uh, challenges of, you know, boot camp, and what do you think it's – you know, maybe some differences from boot camp then versus now? Well, you know, it, it, it evolves in, in – I, the toughness, I, I think, has to go hand in hand with, you know, how you're raised in, in the era that you're raised in. So, of course, the guys that went through in World War II, you know, these guys, they were eating gravel uh, and, and peeing dust. And then, you know, you go to the guys from Vietnam, they're eating metal. You know, so by the time we came in, you know, we were eating crackers. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and I think one of the biggest challenges is it, it, it was for me, Growing up in a small town in Carolina, one of the, my biggest challenges was actually being away from home and uh, trying to fit into a system that that I really didn't understand. Because I did, I, I had an uncle, uh, I had two uncles that were in the military, but I, I wasn't really surrounded by a lot of military, so it was uh, it was a little bit challenging just to kind of figure out how the army worked. That's interesting. And, you know, kind of made me just think about, uh, you know, you, you joined right out of high school, literally. You know, what was your high school experience like? I mean, was were you, like, troubled at all? Did you get into trouble? Well, gosh, no, man. I I never uh, – I don't think I ever went to the principal's office, man. I was just a, I was just a good kid. I tried to – I tried to hang – I tried to fit in, I guess is what you would say. I tried to fit in 
with everybody. And uh, so, and, and that's generally what you're going to find in the military. I found a lot of people that were open-minded and, uh, and shared similar, similar ideals. So it was, uh, it was refreshing. Sounds like it was a nice fit. Well, once you actually got out of, uh, you know, boot camp and all, like, what, what did you start doing? Like, I mean, what was your responsibility? So I know at some point the Army's going to ask something from you. you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I was an aircraft engine mechanic. That was my, my job. So, uh, but in the Army, it's not like everywhere else. In the Army, you kind of get to do a myriad of things. You get to do a lot of things. A lot of things are very few things asked of you but a lot's expected of you. So if you can figure out how to operate in an environment without a, a lot of supervision uh, and, and kind of being motivated to just kind of go get things done. And I was that way. So th to, it worked out really good. I loved working on aircraft engines. Uh, that was my, that was my job, but you get an opportunity to do lots of other things as well. So it, the army is not a, it's not a union. It's all encompassing. Yeah, that's that's crazy. You go from like failing chemistry to to working on aircraft engines. I mean, you would think that would be harder for sure, but I mean, you, you seemed like you excelled at it. I mean, did you find yourself uh, you know, moving up the ranks quite quickly or was it something that uh, you know, took took time? Initially, I did. Uh, I remember when I got uh you know, 6 months in, I made E2. Uh, when I got to my first duty station, uh, they had boards for promotion. So I made E3 and I made E4. I actually made E4 uh, on paper faster than a year uh, in the service. And a lot of people were like, there's no way that's not possible. Yeah, you're right. So I had to wait uh, to get the waiver. I made it at 10 months, but I had to wait to get the waiver. But after that, poof, I hit the brick wall. So I went from calling home to, hey, mom, dad, I got promoted to literally, you know, silence radio silence for like 10 years before i'm 85 wow 10 years that's a long time to to go up to the next the next level i mean were, did that was that frustrating at all well it wasn't really frustrating brian because i had a lot going on you know so it wasn't like we were just sitting there kind of waiting to get promoted it was it was uh i mean we, we were busy i was in a, a very unique unit and uh with that came a lot of challenges, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely enjoyed your time out there. Well, how you know you said that ten years between uh, promotions. How long did you actually serve? Twenty years, four months, nine days. Wow, you know it to the T right there. I guess that's what the army puts in in you. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody I think that that retires. Uh, you know, they kind of have that same, they know exactly how long they were in, man. It's not like you were waiting to get out, but when it was time to get out, it was time to get out. Now, what caused you to be discharged? Like, what was the reason? Retirement. So just uh, finishing up your career, just, you know, hey, it's time to go. Did, did Was it your choice or was it the Army? No, absolutely it was my choice. Uh, I was in Afghanistan and uh, just – you know, at that point, once you hit 20 years, realistically, you're only working, you're working for half your pay. Uh, so I was just, I, it, it was at a time in my career where I was just, I was going to either get in trouble or it was just time to leave. You know, I'd pushed the envelope uh, far enough. And I just think that I was almost out of, uh, out of attaboys. Well, definitely, uh, you know, sounds like you had a pretty rewarding 
career able to get out of there you know i know you were doing a you know aircraft mechanic work uh but you know did did you ever somehow you know maybe wind up in combat or anything like that or anything that would uh cause undue stress define undue stress well, I mean, trauma, I'd say, would be the, the one thing. Because I know I've talked to you I before, mean, and you you even have said that you've kind of got some PTSD kind of going on. Yeah, yeah. Of course, stress. of course, yeah. I've got, some, I've got some PTSD going on. But, you know, PTSD is a complicated thing, and that's another thing that I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into, just how a lot of guys are coping. But, yeah, to answer your question, I, I have been to combat. Uh, I went uh, – I was in the OEFP. A lot of people won't know about that, the Philippines. Uh, I was in uh, OIF twice, which is Operation Iraqi Freedom, and Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan was my last deployment. Now, can you walk us through maybe, I know it might be, I don't know if this is too much to ask, but can you walk us through one of the instances that maybe caused you a lot of trauma? Oh, man, I... There's several, but I guess the, the hardest one is always going to be the loss of life. Uh, I lost uh, several uh, comrades. Heck, I lost, uh, I think we lost eight guys in one night. Uh, that had to be really tough. Yeah, it, 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 it is. And a lot of those guys had kids. So when you actually look at the age of their kids, you know, to versus one that happened, it, it kind of lets you know, man. And it's just... Uh, you know, it's uh, it's eerie, but the anniversaries come and go, birthdays come and go, and, you know, memories pop up on Facebook. So all of that, all of those things are kind of triggers for PTSD as well. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And, you know, like you were just saying about their, their children being, you know, so much older now and thinking about all the time that they lost with that parent because of their service, you know, so that really it's not just, you know, you, the service member that sacrifices, it's also the family. And usually the family makes the biggest sacrifice because the soldier signs up to go out in the harm's way and the family, they're the ones that are left behind. So, you know, and that's another thing we're going to discuss with Fall In, Brian, is just helping those family members that are still there, those Gold Star family members. You know, it's just that's kind of what we do. And, and it, we got to get each one to kind of help one. So that's that's kind of why we're doing the Fall In thing. Yeah, definitely. Love love the idea, you know. Love the, the kind of the topics that are just coming up kind of a little bit somewhat naturally. I mean, I have my questions kind of wrote down here, but, I mean, I'm kind of finding myself curious and wanting to ask others and, you know, just love every bit of it. But, uh, you know, what, what do you think that, the, you know, those uh, things that happened to you back then, how do you think they affect your mental state at this moment? Well, well obviously, you know, and it was explained to me best by, you know, a doctor, and that is in, if you have normal stress, that happens in your life. Well, if that stress occurs and you're just in a um, normal environment, it's a little bit different. If you have that same stress and you're in a combat environment, well, it, it affects the way your brain actually operates, if that makes sense, because it's such a high level of stress being in that environment that um, it alters your, the, it alters the, the chemistry, if you will. So, you, you don't necessarily sign up for PTSD. A lot of people have it and don't even realize they have it. And yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I think I was pretty much, uh, at the end of the charts on it. Yeah, definitely sounds like a very tough thing to do deal with that. A lot of people, I think that in the civilian life don't realize, you know, 
getting out of a battlefield where your life is on the line the whole time and it's like you get back home and there's no threat but you still perceive threats isn't that kind of what pts does ptst does to you in a lot of ways too oh yeah absolutely i mean i you know, I, the easiest way I think I told you that is, you know, I kind of feel like I'm in Indian country, you know I mean? So I, and what I mean when I say that is I feel like I'm surrounded by hostiles. So you spend most of your day uh, and most of your time just kind of feeling like you're at war. That's definitely very interesting. Uh, well, got to ask and move on to a little bit more of a lighter or maybe not lighter, but a, a different question here. Um, you know, what what is an issue right now that deals kind of with the military that you're, you're that's your main focus right now in your life? I mean, what is you know the issue that kind of means the most to you? Uh, helping veterans in in any capacity that is, because you know when I was in the service, leadership is a is all about taking care of the people that are beneath you. So as we transition into the civilian sector, it's, it's kind of difficult for us to figure out where exactly we fit in, especially because a lot of my counterparts, you know, they were in the military shortly after they graduated, just like I was. So when you retire, you, you have a different sense of duty. Sometimes it's to your family, sometimes it's to your community, but you, you know, you, you know, to your church. But I want to just kind of give a calling to them to kind of still serve each other as well as serving the nation. So that's that's uh, that's where I think my greatest focus is. Anything that's going to help uh, veterans or, or soldiers that are serving. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I think that, you know, that community, kind of trying to build a community like that really will help them out. Because, I mean, coming back from service, I mean, you, you always hear it. You see it in the movies about how, you know, Band of Brothers, you know, that show on HBO, you know what I mean? Like, they're all, they say that's that's Band of Brothers for a reason because you almost do become family with those guys you serve with. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. I mean, my military family is as close to me or closer to me than my, than my true family. Like, right now, I live in a different time zone uh, from all of my blood kin in Carolina. But yet my military family, they're all within, you know, we're all within 10 minutes of each other right here. All righty. So definitely uh, still, you know, a lot of community going on. I know you already, uh, I know with the, some of the broadcasting and stuff we do, you kind of have some contacts. we got the UXO helping out with, uh, you know, the broadcast. You know, tell us a little bit about those guys too. I know they do a lot. Well, I know that we will we'll be talking about, as well as to some of those guys, especially uh, Chad. Chad's the founder of the UXO, so that's just another thing that we're going to be working on. Definitely uh, very interested to talk to all those guys and kind of see what their their stories are for sure. Um, you know, but now that you're in that post-military service, you know, the, these issues – that we were just talking about, you know, with helping out all the, the other veterans and things like that. Is that what gets you out of bed, you think? I mean, or, or is there anything else that you kind of, you know, takes up the majority of your time? Well, you know, I've, I've been kind of dealing with my own thing, kind of caught up in my own life. But, you know, I got the grandbaby. Uh, so that that's definitely something I want to see what little Kai does. You know, my son's in the military. He's stationed down in Savannah. And, uh you know, now I think it's just uh, time for me to kind of come out of retirement and uh, get this thing going again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Got to love the 
entrepreneurial spirit also you know and you mentioned your son you know in the military too i mean did you have any advice for him whenever he was getting into it and you know what kind of led him to get into the military <laughs> well the funny thing is when my when my son joined the military he uh he had no plans of kind of joining i think he just kind of fell into it and so what ultimately happened was you know he even told me after he had been de- deployed and kind of been in combat and had some pretty stressful situations he, he let me know that uh hey uh you know, he was not prepared for that. You know, he's like, man, I, I grew up in, in Sango, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't, you know, he played army, but then now that he was really in the army as a kid from the suburbs, uh, cause I never really exposed him to it, you know? Um, but yeah, it definitely made an impression on him. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of, you know, the movies and TV shows kind of glorify combat. And I know even coming up myself, you know, I hate to talk about me a little bit, but coming up myself, I played a whole lot of video games and things like that, and they were always army shooters, you know, like one guy sneaking into a base and, and, you know, taking out all the adversaries. And he's like, oh, that's going to be me when I get older. You know, it's like I think you kind of romanticize that in a lot of ways, but I don't think it's really that way in real life. I think it's probably more terrifying than anything. Yeah, that the the romance goes out of it real quick. Uh, that that's the first thing that's gone. I mean, they take anything sexy out of it like within the first ten minutes, and then after that, it's just about suck. And and you just embrace the suck. I mean, and and you kind of get comfortable with it. You kind of get comfortable being uncomfortable, whether that means being cold or that means being hungry. You know, because if you have the ability to kind of change those things even down to like what you're eating then you're going to enjoy that meal a whole lot more brian yeah that's a, that's a good point you know it kind of makes you uh, enjoy the finer things a little bit more because you know you don't know when you're going to get it next so uh you know definitely gotta gotta kind of make things a little bit sweeter for sure um but uh you know kind of want to move on a little bit more i think to uh kind of kind of what uxo does but i, I know that uh, i think you kind of have something in mind that's going to maybe be more on the uh, simulator side of things. You know, how do you think, uh, you know, things like the UXO and, you know, simulators in general, really, simulator stuff like Flight Simulator, American Truck Simulator, you know, even iRacing kind of the thing, you know, thing that we are heavily involved with. How do you think that actually helps a veteran with PTSD? Yeah, well, let's we'll keep UXO separate because I'm gonna we're gonna get uh, Chad in. He's the secretary for the UXO. We'll let him speak on them. But uh, the way I would talk, I'd like to talk about simulations and, and how you can use simulation to actually you know help people dealing with PTSD. Uh, so whether that's uh, through it doesn't matter. Anything that simulates is kind of stimulation. So it allows them to get actually back in in an online environment, even if you're not out there running through the jungle. And, you know, if you want to do shooters, you can do shooters. If you want to fly, you can do fly. But it builds up that camaraderie. You know, we've got a lot of leagues in our racing that exist of guys who serve together. You know, and these guys go and they go fly together and then they go and they truck together. So there's a whole lot of connectivity that we can actually uh, bring forth through the world of simulation. And that's something we're definitely going to be promoting here and following. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love that because, I mean, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, I, there's plenty of leaks that I, I uh, you know, have encountered that have uh, a ton of veterans and stuff like that. But you mentioned shooter games. And this is kind of – you told me not to throw softballs at you. This is kind of one that makes – doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me so maybe you can explain it like it sounds like you know a, a shooter game 
for a person with PTSD, how does that help? It just sounds like that would actually be, that would hurt it and kind of bring them back into that, that zone that they were in when they were there in danger. Well, it just, there's varying degrees of PTSD. It, everyone's affected different ways. You got, and think about it like this, Brian. You got to think about it in the, in the context that you could walk into a room of 100 people and tell those 100 people that they just won $100 million. Someone out of that 100 is going to be offended in the way that you delivered that. And there's nothing that you can do about it. So, so no matter and what I, I guess what I'm saying with that is, you know, there's different levels of PTSD. So maybe the guy who is, that's his, you know, Achilles heel, if you will, he's not going to go play those first person shooters. Maybe he'll go and drive or maybe, you know, who knows? We'll just try to find that to get him into a happy space and a happy place so that he's not agitated and irritated. And if we can identify those triggers, you know, then maybe we can actually, if we're in a lobby together, because that's what we're going for, then maybe we can talk through it together. Yeah, talk through it and have, you know, through the medium there of simulation. Yeah, I got you. It gives us the opportunity to connect, and we can do that in a time and space that that is digital, uh, virtual versus actually having to pack up, go to airports, get in traffic, you know, drive somewhere. We can actually do a lot of good together in a virtual space, and it could even be a virtual safe space. Well, definitely uh, love every bit of what we talked about here this evening. I appreciate your time, Big Al, and I know you're going to be pretty much a staple or, I uh, say, a fixture in this series. You know, just kind of thought we'd do the first one and, and actually just talk with you. Can't wait to get all these other guys lined up and, and me and you both kind of talk to them. And, you know, you, you're able to have share that commonality with them, and I'll just be that person that's kind of like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm curious. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and I think your curiosity is the reason why, you know, it's so – it's important for me to have you along because you're, you're going to be that moderator. So people are going to get used to you. And, and as you go through this, Brian, you know, you're going to, you're going to understand the talk, you know, how to talk, what questions to ask, what questions not to ask, because this is going to be a great forum for us to actually deal with a lot of issues that are facing the veterans community, as well as get some great, uh, service members on here and we get a chance to talk to them and let them tell us what they're doing and, and try to get them as much support with their issues as with their uh you know projects as possible all right well i think that i think that's it for our first episode big al what a success i think it was i think we covered a lot of very interesting topics and and kind of got really into the deep of the, you know into the uh you know deep into some things that i didn't think we were going to get as deep as we did and uh, I, hopefully we can keep pushing that kind of limit forward but without of course we don't like you said you need to ask the right questions and not offend someone just considering i mean they they you know some some people with the ptsd stuff might not be in the right headspace and you don't we don't want to offend anybody here but i'll try to learn and you know get as good as i can when it comes to that for sure and uh but i appreciate you coming on and, and you know being willing to answer some of these questions i know i you know, maybe threw some hard ones at you, but uh, thanks, Big Al. No, oh, thank you. All right, well, that was the first episode of Fall In. Make sure you uh, tune in for the next one. We'll try to keep uh, them coming for sure, and we're going to try to see if we can't do them every Friday and uh, hopefully have them edited and have them up on the weekends. But uh, make sure you get in touch with us. We'll have some links and stuff. Uh, somewhere whenever we do get the first video uploaded. That way you can reach out to us if you're interested in actually uh, participating. Thanks for watching, everybody.